Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Welcome to Growing Up Punk. If this is the first time uh, you've listened, welcome to the family. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. Uh, this time we got another interview. Aaron sitting down with Josh from the Huntingtons. Uh, they're going to talk about uh, how Josh got into music, how the band, the Huntingtons, got to play with Joey Ramone. Uh, Josh even dives into a few of his favorite records as well, chats about uh, their latest record. Um, if you want you can follow us on social media. Uh, of course, you can find us on uh, Instagram at Growing Up Punk. You can find us on Twitter at Growing Punk Pod. You can find myself on Instagram and Twitter at David Growing Up. And Aaron is on Instagram at Aaron Grew Up Punk. Go follow us. Go subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. I'll give you a heads up. If you're listening on YouTube right now, stop. Go find the show on your favorite podcast app because uh, if you're listening on YouTube, I mean, you can listen, but you're going to miss out. There's a ton of music in this episode, and that music just doesn't exist on the YouTube show. So there you go. Go listen to us on your favorite podcast app. Uh, But anyway, we are about to get into an interview. Aaron, sitting down with Josh from the Huntingtons. It's right on the other side of this. It is the Huntingtons on Growing Up Punk. time that I discovered the Huntingtons, it was uh, it was the year that Fun and Games came out, so I'm not sure if that was maybe like 96, 97. Um, so I was at a, a, at a bookstore and, and the cover just caught my eye and I remember putting it on back when they had, um, you know, demos or whatever to listen to and, and I was just instantly hooked. I hadn't heard anything like that. You know, I had never heard, um, you know, bands like the Ramones um, or anything um, even I don't even know if I would have even heard a band like Green Day yet. Maybe I would have. Um, but yeah, I just instantly love that album. And uh, funny enough, I actually just got a copy of that on CD last week. Um, so I'm pretty stoked to have that in my collection now. What's that, Fun and Games? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so actually uh, Ethan Locke, um, you know who he is? He's played in... Yeah. yeah. So he's, he's selling played off Played in his, every band ever? Yeah. <laughs> Except the Huntingtons. <laughs> or maybe he did. Maybe he filled in for a show or something. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he was in there somewhere. Yeah. So he's selling off his CD collection, and so I I was able to grab a bunch of albums from him. So So I was pretty stoked to find that one in there. 
Um, I found um, I found the original version of that. Like they basically just flat out stole that cover art from. Hold on, I got it right here. Like a kids board it's, game uh, or something? Or yeah, it's yeah. called Do the Hokey Pokey and the Bunny Hop. Nice. Fun and games. Like not only did they steal the <laughs> the album art, but they stole the album Actual name. name, Fun and Games, yeah. and uh, just flat out <laughs> swiped it and went with it and uh, didn't get in trouble. Yeah, I was just going to say, was there ever any uh, any lawsuits pending or anything on that? <laughs> I mean, literally on the back of this record, it's like a a board game to like and there's no uh there's no like credits or anything it's just yeah i don't know it does say that there's like some orchestra on the actual record but okay yeah i don't know we they got away with that one if they ever get sued i i was no part of that record so uh, I, see. Um, I was gonna yeah. ask what the what they just <laughs> saw that game and thought it was funny or what yeah they, they just were looking for old cool photos and um you know that's that's what they came up with yeah well i think uh the cooties record too i don't know if you remember that one it it had something similar to you know kids playing in a yeah. sandbox or something too so maybe that was just the punk thing to do back then yeah i remember that but yeah, yeah. that's awesome yeah what would you say is is one experience in your life with music that made you think like that's what i want to do uh i don't know if it's one experience i just really was attracted to the idea of playing guitar like i just thought the whole the shape of it looked cool and um i I don't know just hearing like distortion from from bands when i was a little kid was just kind of blowing me away yeah and i just wanted to make that sound myself and didn't really i never really cared about being like in a huge rock band or anything and being i still don't really have any interest in being famous any more famous than i am which is not very much at all um but i love playing i love like performing and you know doing a good show because it feels good to like know that you did a good show yeah um but it was like i was a little i was probably 10 or 11 and i had this little kawasaki one-man jam guitar with buttons on it <laughs> and uh and my parents would see me just like you know stand in front of the radio pretending to play play along but i'm not you know i'm pushing buttons and playing along with like nirvana or whatever and uh they were like hey do you want to like maybe learn guitar i'm like yeah so uh 13th birthday they bought me one and took some lessons and quit the lessons and moved on with uh with my life and I was fortunate to kind of have a decent ability to play by ear and I could I could really hear any song and play along with it without without ever hearing it and stuff so it was it's been easy to learn songs it's been uh, a struggle because I always want to skip band practice because I'm like I don't need to go to practice come on (laughs) play these songs in my sleep yeah yeah but um, you know, it gets it gets Cliff especially gets really upset about that. He's like, "Come on, you got to be there, man." Yeah, well, you guys but, got a lot, you got a lot of songs in your uh, catalog now, so you wouldn't want to uh, to mess those up. Yeah, at this point, we're you know we're, we've been mixing up the set, not doing the same old thing every time 
we're adding in some stuff that we've either never played or haven't played in 15 years or whatever and uh so we we have to practice and now we have new songs and the new songs are we have no idea how they're going to go over live until we play them live so right yeah so how do you guys go about picking a set list when you have when you have so many albums um sometimes we throw ideas out there like hey what about if, how do you guys feel about if we tried like this one or that one and um it'll either be like yeah we did that 15 years ago and it, it it felt really slow live. It just didn't go over well live. Or it's not a real popular song. And um, or we'd be like, all right, we can try it. You know, we'll try to practice, and then uh, we kind of make a decision from there. But ninety percent of the set list comes from Mike. He just and it's it's not something that we like said. Mike, you're the one that makes the set list. Uh, it's just something that evolved over the years. He just he's the one that makes it. And makes sense because he's singing it. So right, yeah, yeah. We just kind of let him let him do it, and he comes up with the order. And he's really good at you know knowing the time of everything. So yeah. And are there songs that that most of you guys just kind of agree that you'll never play just because you don't like them? Or uh, there's there's probably some that three out of four like to play or half the band likes to play, but, um, and the, uh, like the others will just do it. Yeah. Just, just to, just because the other guys want to play it. I don't really like playing, uh, 1985. like an annoying song for me <laughs> but cliff loves playing that it's you know lately we've been playing it and it's because we're doing this whole back to the future trilogy right. thing well, what's, and uh you know i can't leave it out but <clears throat> well what's funny about that song so that song was on high school rock correct yeah yeah which is actually that's my favorite uh studio album of your guys's um and when that, I mean, when that album came out, which wasn't even that song, I wouldn't have even known what Back to the Future was. I, I mean, I didn't grow up with a TV or watching a lot of movies, and um, so it's funny that you that you say that because my first experience was just uh, I don't really know what this song is about. Yeah, what is this <laughs> catchy song? So cool. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go for it. But yeah, um, I bought that album on um, cassette tape in the Christian bookstore. Okay, um, so that was before you were in the uh, band, that one? Yeah. Okay. I joined the band like a year later, but uh, in the brief little like four-year period or so that they were a band, before I joined, they put out like, I don't know, 10 records or something. You know, yeah. Like so many records. And um, and then I, I joined and then more records came out after I was in the band that I didn't play on, so I wasn't kind of decided like let's just keep you know you didn't play on it we're not going to like picture you on it and i had no problem with that because i had nothing to do with it but right um 
but then things really slowed down as far as pumping out albums um, from what they were doing early on. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's sweet. Uh, I would have loved to have been on Get Lost or, or you know, High School Rock. That would be that would have been awesome to be part of that whole thing. But yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. So for for listeners that might not um, know your band as much, you guys are um, you know you're heavily influenced by a band called the Ramones. Um, is that a band that that you were influenced by, kind of before joining the band, or? Um, Kind of, I'm always intrigued to yeah. hear when a band is, you know, so influenced by by another band. Kind of how that came about. Yeah, it's cool because there's been guys in the band who weren't big Ramones fans, but kind of had to become Ramones fans. Like the the guy who played drums for us in '99, uh, 2000, when we were, um, well, like when we were really going full force with this Ramones style thing and we ended up playing with joey ramon and cbgb's um he his name is josh zimmer and he really did not care about the ramones yet he's on stage with joey twice and we toured with uh with marky ramon in europe and you know he got to know marky and marky thought he was hilarious and uh but he he liked screeching weasel and you know that style of punk rock there's a real cool club on the other side of town where the real cool kids At the, you know, it's similar to Ramones, but it was, I don't know, you could say it's more new school than Ramones. Right. Yeah. Or it's kind of a weird thing to say about Screeching Weasel, but uh, that's what he was more into. And But for me, it was went back to like childhood, because my dad, I mean, I feel like a lot of, you either love your parents' music or you hate it. And my dad and I, like, I just, I always loved what he was listening to. And, That's cool. Um, I, I, when he was getting rid of his records, I was basically taking all of them. And uh, he had, he had a Ramones, uh, Ramones Mania on a cassette tape. And I remember being in this truck as a little kid, and he would just hit the rewind button. It was like an automatic rewind button, and. Uh, play beat on the brat over and over again just because he yeah, so thought cool. it was so cool how joey sang it or whatever
so that was just grinding into my head at a young age and uh, I really I've just always been a fan yeah so how did that come about that you guys were, were backing those Ramones guys what, what was that relationship there had they you know heard of you guys and that, that's really intriguing to me um, the uh, thing with Joey the first time was a contest that we found out about a week ahead of time and I said to the guys and I was new in the band I, I was only I'd only played like five shows or something and I was like why don't we play this and they're like yeah right man it's it's next week you know and they don't know who we are we're not gonna and I was like yeah but we're what do you mean that we're the we would win this thing and it was some contest CBGB's and the best band would get to uh, play with Joey as their singer and it was just a Ramones cover contest thing and they're like you want to try and get us on there go for it and I was like okay and I called around I eventually got on the phone with Arturo Vega who was the Ramones art director he created the Ramones seal and he was their lighting guy mm. for all their shows and everything and um, I, I was like we really should be playing the show and he was like, well, it's already booked up. I mean, you can send me a CD if you want, but I can't promise anything. And I said, all right, what's your address? And I overnight him a copy of File Under Ramones. And then I had a like a voicemail a day or two later that was like, Joey Ramone is here. He wants to talk to you. Call me back. Wow. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what? So that's kind of how it started and i eventually talked to joey and we he's like yeah i want to play with you guys and talked about what songs to play but it ended up being a rigged contest because he already chose the winner and (laughs) we were able to go up there and actually sound check with him before the whole thing went down yeah crazy um but it was great and then i don't know that kind of just got us in the ramones like bubble a little bit and yeah we ended up uh we were already doing a tour in europe but the band we were going out with uh their their drummer quit or something and they they were friends with marky ramon they ended up hiring him to play drums so that was just a random thing that the band that we're touring with is going to have a ramon with them on this four or five week tour all over europe so um that was cool and then we came back from that and we did another show at CBGB's with and it was labeled uh Joey Ramone and Friends. Hmm. And it was like us and like Weedus that band Weedus played and uh, Oh yeah yeah. Oh that's rock. that's funny. Um the the bass player from Weedus um he he produced one of the records that uh, that the band I played in with so that's funny. He was he was. What is this band that you played in? <laughs> you never told me. Yeah, this band called Means. We were on a uh, Face Down Records. Oh really? Um, and so yeah, we recorded at a studio um, in New York, and and uh, so it was uh, Rich uh, Rich Legi or something was his name. Um, cool. Yeah, so he's you know, it just comes up that he's in this band Weedus. So of course you know we have to find the mm-hmm. video for Teenage Dirtbag and. Yeah. And there he is. So. Cause I'm just a teenage dirtbag, baby. Yeah, I'm just a teenage dirtbag, baby. Listen to Iron Maiden, baby. Will you be? Ooh. 
I guess okay. Joey was just a big <laughs> fan of them and became friends with them, and he just invited anyone that he wanted to play this show, and it was super random. But yeah, we just played, and then Ronnie Spector was there, and she sang some songs with them, and then we got to play with him. But yeah, we just was that song "Teenage Dirtbag" is like such a huge song, but then. Really, like they had nothing after that, huh? Yeah, yeah. I couldn't even like, name another song from them. So, right? Yeah, man, that must have felt amazing. Just that's such a cool experience. I've, I don't know if I've ever heard of that. Where you know you got these you know, these these bands you look up to, and kind of next thing you know, you're playing with them and hanging out with them, and that must have been a really cool feeling. Yeah, the whole um, thing with Joey was like a. Um, impossible dream come true like something that you wouldn't really even ever i wish that someday i could play with joey ramon or something you know obviously now he's gone and right. uh it's like we're definitely super thankful that we had that opportunity yeah but um i don't know that that was just like i just thank god that we had that chance to, yeah. to do that and have those memories i have like the poster that uh that the, the was created for that first show it's you know so that was over 20 years ago now um but i still got that thing framed in my oh for sure my music room here and stuff and, yeah. yeah that's crazy so did that lead into you playing with cj ramon then no that was uh that was years later when uh chris our current drummer um i i mean i think the the true story is he was just having a few beers and on his on his computer on on Facebook or something or probably just playing on his phone and decided to send CJ a message on Facebook and just say hey if you ever need East Coast guys let us know and then he was like he wrote back and was like I'm always looking for good East Coast guys wow and we had met CJ at when we played with Joey but that was so long ago we didn't right. ever expect him to and chris wasn't even there for that but um yeah long story short he ended up contacting us and uh, i think chris called me one time he's like i might have accidentally like <laughs> drunk message cj ramon and said something about us being willing to play for him and i'm like what why would you do that man <laughs> you don't really even play for us like he was he was very new to being in the band. I don't even know if he had a show with us yet. Oh, like, okay. <laughs> like, what are you doing? But, but it worked out and I give him credit for that. Yeah. It was a, a ballsy move that, you know, kind of like my thing with, you know, the guys were like, nah, we're not going to play that show with Joey. You're crazy. And I was like, well, why don't we try? Yeah. And true. then we got to, you know, like, so sometimes you just got to go out there and give it a shot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So were you a part of uh, his latest record, The Holy Spell? Mm-mm. Okay. No, he did all that on the West Coast, and uh, I think even if I would have been a part of it, uh, he ended up scratching pretty much the whole record when he got to the studio and rewrote the whole thing okay. in the studio. So uh, any, any songwriting or anything like that, if we were to ever do anything... Um, I'm sure it would have been cut. Oh, okay. So yeah, that, that was actually uh, that album was in my top five records of tw 2019, which oh, yeah? is uh, kind of odd for me. Um, 
because I, I mean, I listen to a lot more metal now or, you know, um, kind of lean to more towards, you know, 90s kind of skate punk and stuff. Um, but yeah, that one, that album just, I didn't even know, I didn't even know of C.J. Ramon, but that album popped up on a, on a music release site that I follow and so I checked it out and I don't know, there's just something about it. It's super catchy and I just found myself kind of listening to it over and over again. <laughs> Um, so yeah, just it made the top list. Um, more more so just because it got a lot of plays. Oftentimes, I I pick albums that just get the most plays. Um, yeah, yeah. So have since that record has come out, have you done any touring with him? No, actually, it's been. Uh, I'm trying to think if it was last year. Or if it was, I think it's been coming up on like at least a year and a half. Um, since I played with him and okay. uh, he moved out to California, to the San Francisco area. Uh, that's where his wife's family's from. And so he's been rather than like, every time we go on tour, he would fly his wife's parents out from the West coast to like watch his kids. Cause his wife had to work and, um, and he was touring a lot. And basically it came time to like, make it like more of a permanent home situation for everybody and right so he, he eventually sold his house and was able to get out get out of long island and head west and that's where fat records is you know right that's his record label so it's kind of easier from a music standpoint to be around all that i guess right and it's really not convenient for him to fly me out or um or chris or anything when he has guys out there like Pete Sosa is a great drummer and he's just down the coast. Okay. Well, a, a decent ways down the coast. He's, you know, Southern California, but still, right. um, he's a West coast guy. And if anyone was going to be like flown out for anything, it would be Nate, the other guitar player. Cause he's just such a musical genius, um, that you can't really afford to not have him in your band right. if you have the chance. And he, he's always touring with, different bands and he's on the road all the time and he's just a kid he's like 22 years old i think um he started with us when he was i think he was 18 19 years old when we were first going on tour with this guy and i'm like are you kidding me why he's a kid man (laughs) yeah yeah that's awesome so you're just waiting for the call then and hoping Hoping it might come through eventually, or I mean, yeah, I, well, I don't the know last, if he tours much anymore, anyways. But no, he's not going to be touring anymore. I mean, he kind of finished up with with touring, but he uh, he's doing like you know he'll probably do festivals and one offs and things like that. So the last he said about uh, regarding our position in the band or whatever, he just said, "You're in the bullpen." I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. Well, like, so. Uh, I don't know if that will ever mean anything ever again, but right. I'm, I'm thankful for all the time I had in the band. I got to go to all these places in the world that I never would have otherwise gone to. Yeah. And then, you know, I don't really, I'm also thankful to be home and working and you definitely don't make money playing in a band. Right. Yep. Yeah, so kind of going back to uh, the Ramones sound um, with the Huntingtons, was there ever a period where like, maybe you guys thought about changing your sound at all, or was it kind of a decision of the band that this is, this is the sound we want to have moving forward? Well, we it kind of all comes down to Mike's 
writing. Um, and then, like, he writes the majority of the songs, but, like, for this new album, Cliff brought a lot of ideas and, and riffs and, or entire songs, you know, like, from start to finish as far as, like, what the chords are and everything. And he'll send us a video of him, like, standing in his bedroom and playing guitar by himself and, and then be like, well, what do you guys think? And it's hard to tell from that so we you know but right. we at least get the song in our heads and then we go to practice and we try and work it out and see how it sounds and um either someone will speak up and be like hey no offense i don't think this really fits this is kind of you know and I, with this new album uh one of the songs on it i i told them i really don't i don't think this is a good vibe i think it's like i don't like it mm. and um, everyone kind of shut me down. They're like, "No, you're, it's great." And Mike's like, "Yeah, it's it's definitely like gonna be at this point in the record, and it's gonna fit with everything and tie it all together." And when it's all said and done, uh, everyone else was right. I was wrong, mm -hmm. and the song is pretty good. And it's actually the last song on on the record. Okay, and, um, it kind of ends everything. Uh, in a cool way but I don't think we ever talked about like let's change our style or do this or that it's just you know bands evolve but we tried not to evolve too much and we wanted to make sure that we kept the uh, the diehards and the old school fans happy yeah so yeah well and I, I'm one of those one of those fans like I I love um, you know I, I'm never one to complain when when a band kind of sounds the same you know if I love a band for for an album I like I'm happy to have five more albums like that like that doesn't bother me so I, I mean I always I always love that about you guys you know when a Huntington's record was coming out you knew what you were getting into um, you know and so yeah I, I I don't I definitely I don't mean that question you know like as an insult or like why'd you guys kind of stay the same but just you know when a band has been around for so long, you know, it's almost bound to to have, you know, one guy who's like, you know, I'm tired of playing this or I'm influenced by something else. You know, should we try being a bit more experimental or, or yeah. you know, if everyone's just kind of happy staying the same and, and doing their thing. So, no, yeah, it's it's all good either way. Yeah, I'm the same way. I, I kind of, if I like a band, I want them to sound like the band that I like or the version of the band that I like. You know, if yeah. Rancid comes out with a new album, uh, I, I kind of, I'm looking for that out come the wolves style yeah. song uh, on it. And I haven't got that from their last record or two. So I don't listen to them as much anymore. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that, that's a good transition here. Um, so I had asked you what your, your top three all time favorite records were. And I'm, I'm always just interested to hear, you know, what albums have influenced someone to the point where, you know, it's their all time favorite record. There's, thousands of albums to choose from and so I'm, I'm always curious to hear what those ones are so you had sent me three albums and so i have been listening to those uh, this last week and i just thought it'd be cool to maybe just you know touch on each one of them and i'd love to hear kind of why why those albums stood out to you and why they've you know remained your favorites over the years so the first one um was yeah rancid's outcome the wolves Nine, 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 if you really want the truth, now nine, nine. 
And I have to admit, I kind of slept on this album or even this band. I don't know why, you know, I haven't listened to a lot of Rancid over the years. You know, I've heard a lot of their songs, you know, here and there, seen their videos. Um, when I put this album on, I was like instantly bummed out at myself for for not listening to it sooner because it's awesome. Like, I love that, yeah. you know, that classic kind of ska punk sound. I mean, some of my favorite bands, you know, like Squad 5-0, you know, when I'm listening to Ransom, like, oh, man, like, half these songs, like, I can see why, you know, Squad 5-0 was, was influenced by them. Um, and so it was, yeah, such a great record, and I'm, I'm really excited to go back to it and listen. So what are some of the things on that album that stood out to you, or what do you remember from um, from when that, when that album came out and, and why it stood out to you so much? Well, um, that's kind of interesting how I got that record. It was a friend of mine uh, that I was in a, a band with years ago, like in high school, um, like guys from church. Uh, he was going through this phase where he was getting rid of all of his secular music. Um, and rather than like, you know, be a good Christian and throw them all away, he was selling them. <laughs> so I ended up buying a ton of records from him that I still have today. And that was one of them. And, uh, I, I really like just fell in love with it. I don't know why it was never like, and this is back in, you know, 1998 or something like that. Like you went through it this week after I sent you that email, I guess. But, um, I went through it like, a long time ago, like, why didn't I ever listen to this record yeah. uh, in the past year or two, however long it's been out. And um, it was just one of those things that I always would go back to it. And it doesn't matter. I could, I could forget off work and I'm just beat. And I just want to like, just drive home and just rock out or whatever. That's always been a go-to. And uh, I realized over the years, it's been, 20 plus years and I mean I don't listen to CDs anymore but that CD probably got more spins than uh, any of the other um, except for one which we can come to later but um, definitely a lot of the most you know one of the most spins from any of my CD collections yeah did you get to see them live at all during that that record cycle yeah yeah I saw them a lot of like maybe six or seven times. And then, I mean, I saw him, I would go see him in Philly when they're uh, playing it, you know, the electric factory, whatever, but then it became uh, somewhere that, you know, now they're, they're pretty big now. And when they go out on tour, they're playing like massive shows and they're really expensive shows. And, Mm. um, but I'll catch them at the festival. Like I'll go, I would go to riot fest a lot and, um, in Chicago and they, they played there a couple of times. The one okay. year they did the outcome, the wolves album, oh, awesome. like from start to finish. So I got to kind of, you know, get in the pit for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a long album to do live. I think there's 19 songs on there or something. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. it's awesome. Yeah. The next one was uh, guns and roses appetite for destruction.
curious to hear uh, what it was about this one that, that kept you coming back to it. Yeah, I sort of pick, it's hard to do to pick this list, but I based it off of like like the the most listens like that rancid album i listened to it so many times and i still do um the guns and roses album i think is the one that i've owned the most copies of over the years because it was one like my dad bought it on cassette tape and again we had the same taste in music but he bought it because he he liked him but then when he found me listening to him a lot he was like yeah, it's not really a good record. There's some bad words. There's like a sex scene in the one song. Oh. Um, so he he was like, "Hey, I don't want you to listen to that anymore." And then, I, but I would keep listening to it. And then he was like, "Hey, all right, that's it." And he took it outside, and he like put like a bunch of firecrackers around it and blew it up. Nice. So Very dramatic. <laughs> as, as a kid, yeah, I'm like, man, but you know, no big deal. I'll just buy my own copy. So I bought my own cassette version of that one. And then eventually I got, I think I was in Europe with, um, I think the first time I was in Europe with Huntington's, I'd, um, I found a European version of it. So I bought that. And then I bought it on vinyl when I found a good version of it on vinyl. And it was like really cool cover, like different cover. Mm, and sweet. and I, I don't know, I just... You know, the CD would get scratched, so I'd buy another CD. <laughs> Again, now it's like you don't have to worry about CDs being scratched or anything. Everything, you just stream it all. But um, back then, I would just, you know, oh, I can't. I got, I got to have a good copy of this one, so I just got to buy another one, you know? Yeah, no, well, that's cool. Yeah, it's definitely not a band that I ever really paid much attention to. I mean, obviously, they're everywhere, and um, yeah, always kind of intrigued to to kind of hear why why those albums stand out so yeah then the last we really like that that was a big um i don't want to skip over talking about the new record too much but um i do want to say that that uh that was like a huge influence on this new record oh, wow. there's definitely a lot of parts that are um you know just the ideas maybe came from something that was from appetite for destruction and uh it's such a cool record. It's, it's different. It's got, you know, it's not the same thing every song. And we tried to take that approach into the new, um, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Well, that makes me uh, look forward to, to hearing that influence on there. And the last one you have is the Ramones live. Take a seat, Jay. Well, it's because I picked greatest hits live. So oh, yeah, Ramones right, fans yeah. are gonna they're gonna like they're gonna kill me. They're like, what, are you crazy? It's alive is 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 the one or Loco Live even, but not greatest hits live and uh but everyone's got their own reason for it and mine was just 
uh, again, my dad (laughs) had some kind of uh, that CD uh, subscription thing where you pay a penny. You know, you you take the little sticker stamps off and you put them on this thing and you mail it off. And it's supposed to be like a penny a CD, but it really ends up being way more. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. It's like. Yeah, the Columbia House. Columbia House, yeah. yeah. So he he used to do that. (laughs) And um, every now and then he would let me pick, you know, pick one. And uh, I remembered liking, you know, them when I was younger. I'm like, oh, they got a live album. So I, uh, picked that one and just uh that was the cd that got more spins than anything else more than the rancid um or anything and and it it really like i really became a huge fan of cj through that i just loved the songs that he sang on i loved the one two three four count offs that he did and so i you know I'm not supposed to say that as a Ramones fan, but yeah. that's that's what happened, and that's the truth. So, yeah, I still love that record. I love like I could recite the entire thing as far as like you know when they come in after Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, and you know everything that Joey says between songs. Like I know it's not a real live album. I know it's like a studio thing, and oh, okay. half of it was probably like you know. Johnny probably didn't even really play on it. Um, There's a lot of sad stuff that you learn when you tour with the actual Ramon, but um, but I don't care. Listening to it, I I love it, and yeah, I put that up there. Well, uh, that's funny that you mentioned that one because besides High School Rock, my other favorite Huntington's album is is the live record, and actually I got that one on on CD as well uh, last week. And uh, yeah, with that one, yeah, a friend, a friend got it, and I mean, we just listened to it a ton. And I, I mean, I just got such a kick out of you know the, you know, take it away, Mike A, you know all the yeah. <laughs> kind of intros. And maybe now that you say that, you know, the Ramones did those kind of things, you no know, counting in or whatever. And I mean, I, I had never heard the Ramones at that point, and so, but I yeah, mm-hmm. I still I still love that record. Were you were you with the band when that came out, or no? That was still no the live band. Yeah, that was um. That was before me as well. Um, okay. I think I bought that on. I think I actually had got that on CD. Yeah. Um. But I yeah. They put out so many records right in like two years, and um, and I I was just a big fan of the band, and so I was buying those records and listening to them, going to see them, and my band was playing with them, and. Um, got to know the guys and eventually got the chance to uh, play with them and then I never left yeah uh, so how many albums have you have you been on with the Huntington's uh, it's like the songs they give you the self-titled they were like the last two full length oh, okay like studio records and then there was a split we did with this band called The Retarded from Italy Hmm. Um, there was like a, uh, I don't know. Can't think of it. <laughs> like it was just like yeah. little things, you know. Like uh, actually, that might actually be it, be it. Yeah, Three yeah. Or four records. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah, but, so yeah, I would love to hear. Uh, kind of wrapping up here. Let's let's talk about the new record. 
Um, yeah, I would kind of love to hear what inspired it, you know, after it's been a few years since you guys have released something, right? Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Um, this was uh, something we've been talking about for years. I, and I don't even know if Mike remembers this, but um, before Cliff really came back into the band, uh, him and I had talked about a new record years and years ago and we like threw ideas around and I sent him a song and he'd be like that's gonna fit in perfectly as like track two or track three or whatever you know, right after this and so there was a whole plan that was coming and then we just didn't really do anything and we just kind of forgot about it and I don't know if Mike has any of those songs still around on any format any of those ideas I don't even know if I have any ideas that I had for it but it has nothing to do with this record. It was just, that's kind of where the initial wheels started turning. Yeah. And then Cliff's back in the band and we're, you know, starting to play some more shows and we have Chris on drums and Chris just is getting better and better. Um, since I've been playing with him, which is a while now. And, uh, it, it's a really tight band we're kind of like the distance is the one thing that sucks because we're yeah, kind of two of us, two of us are in ocean city and two of us are in like, well, Mike's in Baltimore, Chris is in DC area. And, okay. uh, it's just, it's a couple hour drive, but it's an annoying drive. Yeah, but, for sure. Um, other than that, I mean, we're, we all had the same passion to, you know, if we're going to do a record, it's gotta be really killer. And, we don't want to come out flat. We don't want to come out with anything that's going to, uh, like I said, disappoint any of the old school fans. And um, we want everyone to like it. And, but we want to like it, you know. Yeah. And we're going to, we're going to do it the way we want to, you know, we're going to do it the way that we feel like doing it. Yeah. So did you guys but like, it's got to be good. And, and it is. Yeah. Where where did you guys record it? Do you like some of you guys have have the ability to do that? Yeah. Well, no. We went. We did a whole like not a Kickstarter, but um, we just made it known that if you come to the show, like any money that we make at the show, we're gonna. It's all going towards the new record. You know, if you buy a T-shirt, it's all going towards the new record. And we yeah. literally, I I started a bank account and just any money we made like we wouldn't take home gas money or anything like that uh we just you know we were basically doing everything uh with hopes of saving it up um and having enough to do a record and because we didn't want to just do it ourselves we, we talked about that but it was just it's better just go into a real studio yeah yeah get it done right so yeah we found an awesome studio baltimore um called orion studios and uh it worked out great engineer and owner every everyone was super cool and really um accommodating to uh to our needs and stuff and it was a relaxed environment yeah it makes a big difference yeah yeah what's the uh the reaction been to the first song you guys released or even just in like what is what is your kind of overall sense of, of Huntington fans, you know, these days? What 
kind of what are they engaged with? What are they excited about about your band? Uh, they're everyone's older. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I have um, like I, I check the Spotify like for artist numbers where I can like look at the details of you know uh, how many male listeners versus female listeners, which is a huge difference. Mostly all male. Hmm. You know, you could see like what cities you're popular in the most, that kind of thing. Yeah, but um, but the age range is one thing that sticks out. It's it's like everyone kind of grew up with us, and we're all like in our late. Well, we're not all in the same age range. I'm I'm 39. Chris is like 38, I think. Mike's like 43. I don't know if that's accurate. Mike's maybe 44. But Cliff just turned 50. Okay. Either way, it's like, yeah. you know, it's about a 10-year age range. And, uh, like, that's about how old our fans are. So I love the fans. There's, they're, like, so – they're always, like, just with us. They're just always – you know, it's a lot of the same people, and they're awesome. We love them. So yeah. – um, and it's cool to make new fans as well. And uh, I think that – even though they're everyone's a little bit older, maybe they're not moving around as much, but right. who cares? You know, yeah. that's what you get. You got to work in the new crowd, the young kids. Yeah. So what, what are you guys hoping for this year um, with this album being released? Are you, are you looking to do kind of some more touring or just weekend shows or what would kind of be the ideal setup? Um, I would love to tour, but that's not going to happen with these guys because they're, Everyone else has kids, uh, families, and basically jobs that are that won't allow it. Right. Um, I've been fortunate to have jobs over the past few years that would allow me to leave. Just I'm bar I'm a bartender here now, okay. and um, every everywhere I've worked was just okay. We'll see you in a month. You know. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. So um, for me, it was never a big deal, but it doesn't work that way when you have like, you know, Mike works for the government. Uh, Cliff has a full-time job as a logistics coordinator and, um, and Chris, Chris is basically like up at 3am going to his, his full-time job, which, uh, is, he's like never able to do more than, uh, a long weekend. So right. we're going to do long weekends or short weekends. And, um, I think we're just going to stick to that for now. Hopefully we get some offers to, you know, if we, if we can fly in somewhere, if it works out financially or we can go do something like that. Yeah. Um, but it's mostly going to be like a, a shot down the coast or up, up to maybe Boston area, uh, and, and we're talking about maybe going out towards like oh, Pittsburgh, Ohio area as well. But everywhere we go, it's going to be within range of making it back for, for work on Monday or Tuesday. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And I think that's what a lot of, a lot of bands are doing that have been around as long as, as long as you guys. So I guess you just kind of do what you can and you know, it's, it's better than nothing, at least to me, you know, to still get out yeah. a bit and still keep playing so yeah. yeah what would you say you're you're most excited about about the new record well 
just that we have a new record first of all and um we're able to it was all able to come together we're able to finance it ourselves and uh we've we've got burnt toast has just done our friend scott hatch he owns burnt toast rec vinyl and they're like they're he's just like helping us out so much mm, awesome. uh, he's got he got jeff cloud um who was in uh joy electric and yeah, yeah. starflyer and stuff like he uh he's doing a lot of pr for us right now and he sends us messages like every other day like yeah um here's a list of everyone that uh is going to be doing some kind of review and i'm looking through this and like wow bro. rolling stone oh my gosh oh, like like and wow 30 other places i never heard of and yeah, that's awesome um so it's just cool that it's going to be out there and um it's really it's i think i'm i think everyone's going to like it it's yeah. an exciting record and it's different in a way that uh you know some stuff that you wouldn't expect from us and awesome that's cool yeah what would you say has has kept you involved and excited about playing music you know after all these years where lots of guys would kind of just retire it and just you know focus on you know family or work or whatever what is it that kind of just keeps you coming back uh, i don't know if like you have if you you probably do have the same bug or whatever and you know, if you've done yeah. if you've done it like if you've had any touring experience and if you've had that uh studio experience it's just something about it that you can't really stop it even if you aren't in a band anymore uh i mean cliff's a good example of this because he he tried to stop when he had his first kid he was like selling his guitars selling his amps and he's like i don't need any of that stuff anymore all i all i need is my family there it's like i don't need this guitar i don't need any of that and um i'm like okay you're just gonna end up buying one later why don't you just keep the one you have no yeah. no no, i don't need it and of course he he bought all of his same exact gear oh, all man. over again and uh and now he's you know he's just as excited about you know playing shows and uh this record coming out as any of us but uh yeah you, you can't really you can't get rid of that once yeah. you get that bug you know yeah <laughs> Well, I've I've had enough, you know, friends that that played in bands where, you know, it was it was kind of the opposite where, you know, something came up whether it was, you know, they got married or whatever and they're just like, "All right, I'm done with the band, like selling all my stuff." And I still know some of those guys like they've never really went back. They were just happy to be done with it and so it's always so kind of intriguing to me why like how you can be so passionate about something and pour so much time and energy and then just be like, "Yep, I'm done with that." But I don't know, yeah, maybe maybe I, people just don't take a healthy break and just kind of give it some space, you know, instead of just kind of going to the extreme and selling. Everything. I think if you don't, if you don't have your own little space in your house that has your, has a guitar, at least a guitar on a stand, like out of the case, something that you can easily grab. Um, you know, that's just speaking to guitar players, but or a bass guitar or have, have a basement with drums set up. If you don't have that, that you can easily access right it, it's easy to like fade out from that and man oh well, i haven't played guitar in like six months or whatever but i try and keep i've right now i have two guitars out of their case and i also have a bass i don't even play bass but i have a bass like leaning up against my amp yeah um next to a piano uh, and i don't 
I'm not saying I'd sit in here and play music all the time, but knowing that it's easily accessible, I don't have to like get out all my cables and right. uh, you know, do hook everything up or, or pull the amp out of the garage or whatever. Like knowing that it's like right here and I could just, if I want to plug in and crank it real quick for five minutes, yeah, that, that helps a lot. And otherwise, uh, you know, it, you can kind of forget about that and uh you know if you're or maybe you're just not very good at playing and you just <laughs> no um but yeah it's it i think it i don't think that that bug ever leaves you i yeah. think even those guys that that say that they're they're fine and they're happy um i think deep down that you know they miss it a little bit yeah yeah for sure yeah, awesome. Well, man, I really, really appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to share with us today. And so how about we just uh, end with you can just let us know the, the album title, when it's coming out, and maybe where people can find it. Yeah, so January 31st, it will be out uh, everywhere on all the streaming and CD, cassette tape as well, and uh, vinyl. we got two different colored vinyls coming yeah, right out. Right on. Um, the pre-orders are up now on uh, Burnt Toast Vinyl's website. Uh, you can, if you pre-order it, um, you get the first single. Uh, you'll get that as a seven-inch, which has a bonus B-side to it um, that that will not be on the record. So, yeah, that's uh, that's all available to pre-order now. I think the singles are shipping out pretty soon. Um, but yeah, it's called Muerto. Carcel o rock and roll. Nice. And that is Spanish for dead jail or rock and roll. Hmm. And that's kind of what this album is about. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Cool. Thanks so much, Josh, for taking the time, man. It was a pleasure getting to talk with you and hear more about, you know, just what influenced you in music and what's going to keep you going into the future. So really appreciate you coming on the show. All right. Thanks, Aaron. All right. Appreciate it. See ya. See you. like a tree and get out of here.